So you guys may have caught my tweet uh, earlier in the week about how, because of a scheduling conflict, um, basically because there was no school this Monday because of President's Day, and so I didn't have the time that I usually have on Mondays to put out the episode. I didn't have time to put out an episode this week. And for the most part, that's true. I'm going to put out my actual discussion of episode 57's comic books next week. But I want to make this the Fortress of Solitude segment um, for that episode. And I, I want to put it out now because there's something that's been buzzing around my brain for the past few days, driving me crazy, and I just want to put it out there into the universe so I can get it out of my brain and quit um, just having this thing run around in my head over and over and over again. So I'm going to tell you a story. It's not a happy story, but bear with me. Um, so when I was... 13 years old, in 1987, I was in a really bad automobile-related accident. And the build-up to that is that every couple of years in the 80s, my parents would go out of town on vacation, and they would leave me with my grandparents. If they went during the school year, they would have my paternal grandmother come stay with me, and if they went during the summer, they would have me go stay with my maternal grandparents. And um, they were going in August of that year. So uh, I was going to go stay with my maternal grandparents. And a couple days before they went out of town, my mom had to go into Columbus for something. Uh, Columbus, Ohio. We lived out in the boonies. But she had to go into Columbus for something. I think it was a doctor's appointment or a dentist appointment or something. And... We were going to go to the movies afterwards to go see the Dolph Lundgren Masters of the Universe movie um, as kind of my consolation prize for getting left behind while my parents went to Mexico. And I didn't want to wait in the car. I didn't want to go inside. But I wanted to go to the movie theater to go play video games while I waited on my mom. And it was a few blocks away. And... Um, I told my mom, I said, well, while you're in, I'm going to walk the few blocks to the movie theater and I'm going to take some quarters with me and I'm going to play video games. And she said, okay. And on the way there, um, a hit and run driver clipped me as I was crossing the street. <clears throat> so, um, and I don't remember the actual accident. I just remember like waking up in the ambulance. Um, I broke my, I cracked my hip on my right side, the, the car hit me on my right side. I cracked my hip, I cracked my two lowest ribs, and I cracked the bone in my thigh on the right side. And I got a concussion, and I had stitches in both the front of my head uh, from where I hit the windshield and the back of my head where I hit the concrete. Um, like I said, it's not a real happy story. Um, so I go to the hospital and I go to the ER. And everything, you know, it's like, okay, he's stabilized. Put you in a room. We're going to keep you here for like five days for observation. Okay. Um, and I remember going to the room and saying to my parents, I was like, I'm sorry, this messed up your vacation. Um, and then I was told, what do you mean? We're still going on vacation. 
And um, this bummed me out real bad, to say the least. And it's been one of those memories that it's a triggering memory. Um, I've talked before how I have, I have battled with depression a lot. Um, it's gotten a lot better the last few years. But, and I try not to dwell on the things that will set it off. It's one of those things that pops up every once in a while with like IMAX level clarity. And so it kind of sent me into uh, an unhappy headspace. And um, a therapy technique that I have learned that I use is not to like mentally pretend like an incident didn't happen or anything like that. Um, but it's to kind of mentally insert, well, if this more positive factor had been introduced into the situation, it might have made me feel better. And that is something that works for me. I don't know if that's a widely used technique or not, but it's something that helps me out. Now, when I was in the hospital, um, the hospital was near, was relatively near where my grandparents lived. So my grandpa came there to try to cheer me up. And he said, what can I get you? And I said, I would love some comics. And by 13, you know, that's the age where, at least back in the day, where people start saying, you should be out of toys by now. But I've always liked toys, even if it's not something to play with. It's almost kind of like this little totem to hold on to. It's like a, it's just a physical representation of something that you like. Now, in the late 80s, I wasn't really into anything. I liked X-Men, and I liked Captain America, but I wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, something that I just couldn't get enough of, right? And plus, there were no toys of that in the late 80s. Uh, Toy Biz didn't start producing their Marvel toys until 1991, I think, and even then, they weren't very good. Um, Toy Biz didn't start getting halfway decent with their stuff until about 93, I'd say. Um... So my grandpa, he goes to like a Walden Books. He gets me a copy of Uncanny X-Men. It's issue 222, which is, I, I still love that issue. And it's just a bunch of random stuff, like an issue, like a Star Trek comic and like a Teen Titans annual and uh, like, a, like a Thundercats comic. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then he went and got me something like a mask toy, you know, M-A-S-K, the the acronym, you know, where the vehicles turned into something. And I, it was fine, but it didn't really cheer me up. And so my, my mental strategy of positive um, insertion into an unpleasant memory, it's like, okay, but what if I'd had some Superman comics? And what if I'd had a Superman figure? And then I start doing the calculus, because I can't just pretend that I liked Superman at the time, because I didn't. I had some Superman comics, I had a, like three comics from pre-crisis and two Superman comics from post-crisis. And that was it. I wasn't a Superman fan, but it's what makes me happy now. And so I try to insert what makes me happy now into an unhappy situation back then. And, and like I said, I can't just pretend that I like Superman. So what I've been doing lately is going, okay, so... The Superpowers collection came out in 1984, and the Superman figure was in Wave 1. 
So what I've started doing is I've started reading the Superman comics that were out when I was a kid. They were out from the time that I could read and reading through them and putting myself in the, into a mindset of how I thought of things as a kid. I think, would I have liked this if I'd really given it a shot? And I started with 1978 because that's, I turned four in 1978. Um, that's the year, the first time I remember watching Super Friends, which I really liked as a kid. That's the year that the first Christopher Reeve movie came out. I had a bunch of Superman Migos. I had, you know, all the Superman. I really liked the idea of Superman when I was about four. So I started reading some of the comics from that era. And I had a couple. I had the Superman versus Shazam, um, like deluxe treasury book. And I had a couple issues of Justice League. And I started reading from that era. And I didn't really, I from this, like as of right now, I didn't really like it. So I fast forward a little bit to 1980. And I'm not really liking that. And I'm reading 81. And I'm not really liking that. And which really stinks because that's where the, I think the first appearance of Mongol was either 80 or 81 in DC Comics Presents. But Superman comes across as really arrogant in that era. I don't really like it. The, the characterization of Superman is not what I, what I picture when I think about what I like about Superman. So I fast forward to 1983. And, and I, I started reading. There aren't a lot of eponymous Superman issues. And there aren't a lot of action comics issues from that era. But there's DC Comics Presents and there's World's Finest. And I started reading World's Finest recently from the time that Doug Monk. I've always, it's M-O-E-N-C-H, the guy, you know who Doug Monk, who he is. Uh, he wrote Moon Knight, all that. I've always pronounced it Monk. I've heard people pronounce it Monch. I've heard people pronounce it Mensch. I've always said Monk. So if I'm pronouncing it wrong, forgive me, but you know who I'm talking about. And I've made a transition with that run. Now, what's ironic is I said that this took place in 1987, and my parents would take these vacations every couple years. So they took one in 85, and they took one in 1983. And in 1983, they took it during the school year, and my grandmother on my dad's side came to stay with me, basically babysit me at my parents' house. And when she came, she stopped at like a gas station or something to fill up her car, and she went inside and she grabbed me a handful of comics. And one of them was World's Finest number 290, which has a cover date of April 83. And um, I had that issue as a kid, and it's basically Superman and Batman come across a race of stalagmite men in a cave near Wayne Manor and they have these giant dragon worms that can shoot kryptonite lasers out of their eyes and there's a huge kryptonite boulder in the base of the cave and Superman gets near it, gets near it and falls out and that's the end of the issue. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't really like this. And so I, I, I did not continue with World's Finest as a kid. Now what's ironic is issue 291, which came out the next month and continues the story, is really, really good. And 
Um, there's a scene in it where Superman has recovered from his kryptonite radiation and he confronts the stalagmite, the leader of the stalagmite man, a guy named Stalagron. And so he flies at Stalagron and Stalagron shakes his fist at the side and says, Superman, you dare to face me again. And Superman starts grappling with Stalagron and says, you bet I dare a monster when the lives of innocents are in jeopardy. I dare anything. I really like that. And then on the next page, Stalagron and Superman fall into this lava pit uh, with this giant kryptonite boulder. So Superman is still like way stronger than human, way more durable than human, but he's susceptible to pain. And so he's in this lava pit and then these like giant kryptonite worms are in this pit and he's, he's grappling with Stalagron and these worm, they almost look like giant tentacles are coming up out of the lava and lashing at Superman. And the captions say, in agony, struggling for his very life, in a seething sea of lava, and under the shadow of kryptonite, Superman fights on, breaking through the barriers of supreme pain with a vengeance to attain the ecstasy of a true hero, one who has everything to lose, but who still dares to be bold, risking his own life to save unknown others. That's great. I love that. That's the Superman I like. Things are still different. He's still way more, you know, he's insanely powerful um, under normal circumstances. He's way more powerful than the post-crisis version. He's still a godlike being who poses as a human rather than being a human with godlike powers. But I really, really like this characterization. And that is what turned the corner for me. Now I'm convinced that if I kept reading at least this era of Superman beginning in mid-1983, then by the time the Superpowers collection came out in 1984, I would have had the Superpowers figure, and I could have said, hey, somebody go to the house and get my Superpowers figure and bring it to me, and hey, bring me my Superman comics from the house, and hey, Grandpa, would you mind going to Walden Books and picking up as many Superman comics as you can find? And that would have been comforting to me when my parents went to Mexico while I was in the hospital. So, what, what, where am I going with all this? Um, like I said, I had been, not spiraling, but I'd been kind of stuck in a depressive episode for the last few days. And I do feel a lot better now. And sometimes, when you're depressed... It feels like you're never going to come out of it. So all I'm saying is, if you're someone who regularly goes through depression, if you're someone who's having a depressive episode now, all I'm saying is, hang in there. It's going to get better. It, it doesn't last forever. Some of it's chemical, and that chemical phase passes. Some of it's emotional. Emotions don't stay the same forever. If you have, if you suffer from depression and you have a mental strategy to help you out of it, even if it's, even if somebody else might think it's silly, I, by, I know for a fact that this is a silly strategy that I do, you know, do a superimposing Superman fandom that I didn't have when I was a kid on my memories of being a kid, but it helps. So if you have a thing that helps, embrace it and do what you need to do 
to bring yourself back to a place of happiness and stability. So that's, those are all the thoughts I have on this topic. Um, like I said, I will be back next week with the, with the actual comic books that I'm going to cover for this episode. I hope you are doing okay. Um, if you're going through some stuff, at least know that somebody out there is thinking about you. I'm thinking about you. I care about you. And I want you to be well. And until I can talk to you again, remember to fight fear at every turn with an open mind and an open heart. And I love you. Bye.